Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Hello and welcome back. I am Evan Grote, your host. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. If you like what you hear, don't be afraid to click that subscribe button. Just Pod Baby is brought to you by SportsNot.com. Head over to the website, check out all of the great content that is offered to you over there. I am a video segment producer for SportsNot, and I'm very proud of the work going on over there. We've got a really talented team of people, so please check that out. Last week on the show, it was all about the quarterbacks uh, heading into the scouting combine. We will continue that conversation a little bit today. I will give you my take on some of the performances from some of the quarterbacks. I've also recruited some help this week. Later in the show, we will be joined by Ted Nguyen of The Athletic. You all know Ted. He is part of the State of the Nation podcast with the Athletic Podcast Network. He has a really good story out that came out earlier this week on The Athletic where he compares and contrasts Anthony Richardson and Will Levis, and he makes a case for which quarterback he believes is worth the risk of drafting in 2023. So I'm really looking forward to that, and we're going to dive into that with him. Uh, We also have the beginning of free agency uh, coming coming up here this week, um, starting on Wednesday, which is the the start of the new league year at 4 p.m. Eastern time, the legal tampering period. That does begin on Monday, so we could start to hear the news of players joining new teams as early as Monday. Now, keep in mind, the Raiders did place the franchise tag on Josh Jacobs. That is $10.1 million that is immediately counted against the cap. They do have a deadline to reach a long-term deal. Uh, and that deadline is on July 17th. And from what I've been reading, um, it sounds like there is some motivation by both parties to try to get something done before that deadline. So we'll have to wait and see how that all plays out. And then in segment two, we will take a look at some of the Raiders' unrestricted free agents. They did sign a couple of them uh, towards the end of the week. Max Crosby also renegotiated his contract to free up $7.5 million worth of cap space. So that'll be a big help. But uh, we will get into some of the names Um, and positions uh, of free agents where I would like to see the Raiders uh, spend some of their money. So that is the rundown and the plan for the show, but we must get it started this week with the news that came down on Friday afternoon, a major shakeup at the top of the draft, a blockbuster deal that was done between the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears. The Panthers are now on the clock with the number one pick, and they will be drafting a quarterback. Uh, You don't make that trade unless it's a quarterback. Uh, They need one badly. They have a new head coach in Frank Reich, and there's speculation out there from around the league based on what I I have read that C.J. Stroud is going to be the selection, and that's just what my gut tells me who who I think the the pick will be as well. And so I think the conversation that I want to have with you now is how this move affects 
what the Raiders' plans were at quarterback going into this year's draft. So let's spend a couple of minutes uh, talking about it. I, I think it makes things definitely more difficult if if you're Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels to get one of those top four quarterbacks uh, that I spent so much time talking about last week. Carolina was picking at nine. They now leapfrogged the Raiders. Okay, so now you have another quarterback needy team who is leapfrogging the Raiders, and there were already a couple in front of them. So that's that's the first reason why I think things uh, are, are more difficult at this point. The Texans, they hold the number two pick. They need a quarterback as well. You've got Arizona sitting there at three. That's going to be an interesting spot there. They do not need a quarterback, but that could be the position where a team that's looking to get a quarterback would want to try to get to. Maybe it's Atlanta. We've heard a lot of speculation about them being interested in Lamar Jackson, possibly. So I I still think Atlanta is a player for a quarterback. I know they drafted Desmond Ritter last year and he started some games, but they could be looking for uh, more of an upgrade. Washington. I think they're a wild card. They pick 17. I think they they obviously need a quarterback as well. Maybe it's Indianapolis who trades up just one spot uh, from four. They need a quarterback. So, you know, there's there's a lot to look at there. Number five, picking five is Seattle. They just signed Geno Smith to a, a contract. They don't necessarily need a quarterback, but could be looking for a longer-term option after Geno Smith, and I don't think we can rule them out. Uh, at pick six, you had the Lions, another team who who doesn't necessarily have to draft a quarterback. Jared Goff, Jared Goff played really well for them last year. They they just missed the playoffs, uh, but they, they too could be looking to find their uh, long term replacement after Jared Goff. You you never know what these teams are thinking, which which makes this so fun for me uh, personally. And I'm sure a lot of you out there love this time of the year because of this kind of stuff as well. We just don't know how how they have their draft board stacked up. But when you look at the teams that are currently in front of the Raiders, you have three teams that you know will be looking hard at quarterbacks with the Panthers, Texans, and Colts. It is possible. I, I don't. I, I can't disagree with a lot of people out there that are saying, "Oh, the Raiders have no chance now at a quarterback." I, I do think it's possible that if the Raiders stay put at seven, then they could miss out on all four of the top quarterbacks again: Young, Stroud, um, Levis, and Richardson is is how I have them uh, ranked. Um, which I said on last week's show, I would be okay with that. I've talked about that on Twitter this week. I, I would not. It would not be the end of the world if they missed out on one of those top four quarterbacks. There does seem to be a lot of smoke out there right now with the Raiders' potential interest in Jimmy Garoppolo. We'll see how that plays out when free agency kicks off. I've said it all along uh, throughout the offseason. I I think McDaniels would want to bring in someone who is familiar with his system. That's why I, I assumed it would be Brady. Garoppolo was always a guy that people talked about as a possible option. I don't like the idea of Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm assuming he will command uh, somewhere in the 15 to $18 million range to sign him. And I don't think that is money well spent. If you miss out on one of the first round quarterbacks, then I I think the best course of action would be to roll with Jarrett Stidham, who I'm assuming they will resign here in free agency prior to the draft. And then maybe you look to draft a developmental quarterback later in the draft. Maybe it's a Hendon Hooker. Uh, maybe it's, you know, there, there's plenty of other guys out there that would fit that, uh, criteria as a developmental player. Um, 
the path for a quarterback at, at pick seven is more difficult, but it's not impossible. Uh, I'm not completely shutting the door on it. I still wouldn't be surprised to see Will Levis sitting there at seven. And, and I don't think it's it's certain that the Seahawks and Lions will draft a quarterback. I could totally see them passing on a quarterback and looking to tr- come draft the best player available or whatever their biggest position of need is. Don't forget, both of those teams, the Seahawks were in the playoffs last year and the Lions just missed. So they could be thinking a little bit more of a win-now mode and and, and, and decide to pass on a quarterback. So it's, it's not impossible, but it's definitely gotten more difficult for the Raiders there is one scenario that I've been thinking about in my head over the course of the last 24 hours following the, the news of the trade. And, and the scenario is if, if Ziegler really wants to get his quarterback this year, if that's what he's decided that his plan is, is he wants to get the quarterback this year, then you have to think about considering trading up to number three to, to, to get that quarterback. Because even though there is speculation rumors that C.J. Stroud could be the top pick. You just never know. You, you never know. Perhaps maybe Carolina traded up to take Richardson. I mean, or, or maybe it's Young. We don't know. I'm just saying, is it is it possible that maybe Bryce Young falls to three? I just don't think we can rule out possibly Anthony Richardson leapfrogging all the way to pick one or two. Or maybe it's Levis, for all we know. And that means if that was to happen, if one team falls in love with Levis or Richardson or, or, or Carolina, I should say, or, or, or Houston, then that means if you're sitting there at pick three, you could have C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young fall into your lap. So again, we just don't know at this point. I'm sure that's one of the conversations that Ziegler and McDaniels are having right now is should we go up to number three? And that's, of course, if they really like uh, these quarterbacks enough to go up there and try to make that move. But there's lots to speculate. We're going to have the next five or six weeks uh, here to do so. It it is really a fun time of the year uh, for football fans, so I'm going to enjoy it here discussing it all with you on the podcast. Now, I do want to pivot here a bit in our conversation. We're going to stay with some quarterback talk. But I want to discuss the the, the performance uh, uh, performances at the combine. All everyone could talk about all week was 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 Anthony Richardson and his record setting combine that he uh, he had, and it should come as no surprise. I mean, we know the kid is an excellent athlete. Did I know that he was going to run a four four three? Weighing 244 pounds. No, I, I didn't think he was going to be able to do that. I knew he would be fast, but not that fast. Uh, we, we know that he's an explosive athlete. And, and that's why I said I, I expect that his I expected that his draft stock would would rise big time following the combine. And, that, and that's exactly what's happening. It's exactly what's happening. Um, there's some draft pundits out there and experts that suggest he could go as high as number one. Um, I mean, this was prior to the, the the Panthers trade, but I still don't think it's outside the, the, the realm of the possibility. Um, my feelings on him, though, personally, my feelings haven't changed. I, I still have him as the fourth quarterback uh, in this draft behind Young, Stroud, and Levis. There's no denying he's an electric athlete. He's got a huge arm. You saw that on display. I think he threw it 65 yards. It looked like he threw it with ease. Um, but I still think he has a long ways to go in his development as an NFL quarterback. And I wouldn't be surprised. Um, you know, I, I really wouldn't be surprised to see a team fall in love with him and go up and make him either the first or second pick in this draft. 
Um, now, of the big three quarterbacks that participated in the throwing portion of the combine, I, I think Will Levis did the least to help himself. And I don't say that as a negative. He certainly showed off the cannon that is his right arm. Um, you know, he did some good things in his throwing session. Uh, but I don't think he like generated any any further buzz for him, like we're hearing for Richardson or even for Stroud. Um, I, I think Levis was solid. Uh, we, we saw the comfort that he has with his footwork. Um, you can see that the ball jumps out of his hand. And so I think he did well, but at this point compared to the others, I do think he's kind of flying under the radar, which isn't necessarily a bad thing for the Raiders if they're looking to, to draft, uh, Will Levis. Now, as I said on the show last week, I'm comfortable with Levis. Th- there's definitely some warts in his game after Stroud and, and Young and probably Hendon Hooker. The quarterback that I saw the most play this year was was Will Levis, and, and he, you know the thing that I I, I I see with Levis, or I saw when I was watching the, the games live, is that he seems to process things a bit slow, and and that could be a major problem at the NFL level. You must be able to process the information, the coverages, the blitzes, what's going on at the line of scrimmage. You got to be able to do all those things um, at a quick rate, and and um. You know, I do think um, there is something to be said about the injuries that he dealt with last year affecting his play. He did play hurt. He played behind a really, really bad offensive line, and he didn't exactly have um, a lot of weapons. I know his starting running back missed a few games to start the year. Rodriguez, I believe the name is. Um, and I say, and so I think all of those things really uh, played a, played a, a role in, in in his season that he had in 2022. Now. You would think that a top 10 pick um, at quarterback should be talented enough on his own to elevate those around him. That's something that I always talk about with with great elite quarterbacks is that you can elevate the people around you. And if if I'm being honest, uh, I don't think that he was able to do that in 2022 at Kentucky. But again, I do think there were other factors that kind of uh, held him back um, in that aspect. It's also worth noting, you know, I talked about Hendon Hooker and his age last week. Levis is, is 24 years old. So, I mean, he's a couple years older than some of these other quarterback prospects. Um, so, and, and, you know, it's also important to consider that he might not be a plug and play guy. He could benefit from sitting, you know, half a season before he's, he's ready to get out there and, and take it over. Um, all that being said, though, th- there's still a lot to like about Will Levis. He has those intangibles that you look for at quarterback. He has the toughness. Uh, he has leadership, and and you know he loves the game. And I, it, I go back to the press conference um, Josh McDaniels had from the combine. Uh, one of the things that he said about the type of player that they want to bring into this team is that I want smart and tough football players. And, and to me, I think Will Levis fits that mold. But we're going to continue this conversation now on Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Uh, and we're going to do that by going out to the phone lines now, the guest line, and welcoming Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. Ted has a really good story up on The Athletic right now where he details strengths and weaknesses of both of these quarterbacks. So I'm glad to have him here with us to break it all down. Ted, welcome to Just Pod Baby, and thanks for giving us a few minutes. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Well, let's jump right into it. I want to start with uh, Anthony Richardson. Um and, and, and some of the parts of his game that you like and, and parts of his game that you believe will translate from the college game to the NFL. Sorry, you said Will Levis? I'm sorry, Anthony Richardson. 
Okay, yeah, Anthony Richardson. I, as far you know, with Richardson, he gets a lot of uh, flack for being a developmental project, and he is. There's a lot of things he has to work on, uh, but I think he's, he's more pro ready than a lot of the public thinks he is uh, because he, you know, at Florida, he didn't run a college spread typical type of offense where they're throwing a ton of bubble screens and a bunch of RPOs that really pad up quarterback stats. Uh, he ran a lot of dropback, uh, a ton of dropback in Florida, and he was throwing the ball downfield. Uh, 53% of his passes were, you know, 10 yards or more. So he wasn't just throwing these dinks and dunks. Uh, so he, he had a lot of repetitions running these dropback concepts, and it wasn't great for his stats. But I think in the long run, that kind of offense might be good for its development. Um, I think his footwork needs a lot of improvement, but we've seen tons of quarterbacks in college improve footwork is one of the most easily correctable things. As, you know, going from college to pro, uh, college to pros, it just takes more reps and better coaching. Um, but one thing I really love from him is his pocket manipulation. I think um, he really makes a concerted effort to stay in the pocket and move within the pocket. And I think he could be more efficient with his feet, with his movements, but he's willing to do that. He has a sense for where rushers are, and he's willing to stay in the pocket and, and, and make those moves in a congested pocket. And that's something you can't teach because there's some guys that just want to bail out of there when they start feeling pressure. Uh, but Richardson is, is willing to stay in there and move his feet and maneuver around. He just needs to be a little bit more efficient with his movement. I think with more reps, um, he'll get better at that. Now, you mentioned the style of offense that he played in uh, at Florida. And based on what you know about Josh McDaniels and his style of offense, is Anthony Richardson the type of quarterback that you you believe could be a fit within McDaniels' scheme? Or do you think it would require McDaniels to to really modify things to to fit Richardson's skill set? I think he would have to to modify things with Richardson. Um, And I think McDaniels has... He's, he, I think he's been looking for that dual threat type of quarterback uh, for for a long time now. You know, it, when he was with Denver, he drafted Tim Tebow, and I don't want to make that comparison because you know just because Tebow went to Florida and Richardson went to Florida, I think they're two different prospects. Um, you know, I think in modern times, Tebow wouldn't even get close to the first round just based on how we evaluate quarterbacks now and that motion and all that. But uh, aside from that, he's been looking for a dual threat quarterback for a while. I uh, tried to work with Cam Newton when he was a little bit too old and banged up at the end of his time um, in New England. So uh, I think if they did get Richardson, you would have to adapt to an option heavy offense in the beginning and give him time to develop and get better at the intricacies of um, the passing game. And we've seen that model with Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson has greatly improved as a passer. Uh, we saw Jalen Hurts make a huge jump last year. Uh, but in the beginning of their careers, they ran really option-heavy offenses. And um, Richardson, as far as just a pure athlete, you know, he's up there with Lamar Jackson, and he's a much better athlete than uh, to, than Hertz is. So he's he that type of offense. If you scheme it up right and get the right offensive lineman around him, it could be extremely dangerous. Yeah, and I think one of the things that's that's really intriguing about Richardson is that not only is, is he 
the same type of athlete, as you mentioned, as Lamar Jackson and, and Jalen Hurts, as far as his running ability, he's 244 pounds. So he's going to be a lot more durable than some of those other smaller running quarterbacks that we, we've seen in the NFL. Now, we've talked about some of the things that we like about him, but but you know one of the things that, that has many people concerned about selecting Richardson in the early part of round one is the lack of starts in college and, and you know the fact that he only completed 53% of his, his passes last year. How, how concerned are you with, with both of those factors? I think when you really look at his incompletions, a lot of them were sailed passes. And, and like I said, I think a lot of that attributed to his footwork. And I think his footwork can improve, and we've seen quarterbacks improve that footwork. Also, he did not have a lot of good receivers at Florida. His receivers were pretty poor when it comes to getting open and tracking the ball. They dropped some passes, too. Um, so I, I, I think his accuracy issues are overblown. I, I don't think the numbers um, do it justice. And like I said, he didn't have a ton of, like, gimme type of throws that pad, pad stats typically with these quarterbacks are in these uh, college spread offenses. So I, I think his accuracy – he does, there are accuracy issues, but I think they're overblown, and I think he can improve when he gets to the league. Our guest this week on Just Pod Baby is Ted Nguyen from The Athletic, and we're talking some Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Now, speaking of Will Levis, let, let's let's get some of your thoughts on him. He's an interesting prospect, especially when you when you compare the the tape from 2021 versus the tape from 2022. You know, he didn't have the final season that that many were hoping for. A uh, lot of lot of factors as to why, but overall, what are the traits that you see on tape from Levis that you like? Yeah, I actually liked his tape from uh, 22 better. I know his numbers weren't as good as they were in 21, but I could see improvement in his processing and uh, just using his eyes to manipulate defenses in 22 better than he, he did in 21. But um, just the supporting cast he played with in both years were just not very good, and it was even worse in 22. Uh, his protection was absolutely terrible. It might have been the worst of uh, any of the draftable quarterbacks, and um, receivers weren't great either. Uh, but as far as traits, I mean, this this is a guy that as soon as he comes in the league, he's going to have um, one of you know as far as arm talent, it's going to be on par with some of the top five type of guys in NFL. He can throw with distance, he throws with really great velocity, and he is very accurate on, on all three levels. I think where he does get inaccurate is when he starts feeling the pressure. But if he has a clean pocket, I think he's extremely accurate on on, on all three levels. Um, so. Uh, Arm talent is going to be elite. I think he is a really good athlete. I don't know if he's good enough to run a ton of option, option type of plays with them, but he has that in his bag where he can be a threat on option plays if you want to do that. But I don't think you know he's going to be like Anthony Richardson or, or Jalen Hurts. Um, I think his athleticism translates well as a scrambler. Um, I think defenses will have to account for his ability to run in, in the NFL. Uh, he's a pretty good athlete. Um, and as far as pocket management, I think that is one one issue that I had with him watching the tape. I think he will stand in there and take hits. He's tough, but he's sort of ignorant of the rush. rush. Like He doesn't manipulate the pocket very well. He's kind of Kirk Cousins-like in that aspect. Yeah, that's interesting, and I, I totally agree with you there with some of his processing ability, and we'll get to that in just a second. Um, you, know, you mentioned um, McDaniels wanting more of a, a dual threat quarterback in your opinion and you mentioned some of the uh, Levis's mobility do you, do you think he fits that that mold as what you would refer to as a, a dual threat quarterback I definitely think so I think he he I think 
McDaniels would love to get his hands on, on Levis, just you know, with his arm talent and his ability to to scramble and create. I think he he does fit that mold pretty well. I mean, I, I, it just depends on how, with both Anthony Richardson and Will Levis how they did in those meetings. Did they convince these uh, decision makers? Did they, did they convince uh, Josh McDaniels that they, he can pick up a complicated offense that uh, McDaniels runs? Now, in your opinion, you talked about arm talent with with Levis. In your opinion, right now, the better pure thrower, I'm assuming you're going to say Levis is the better pure thrower as far as being able to make all the throws right now. Yeah, as far as pure thrower, I would say Levis. And both these guys have better throw with better touch than you would think these big arm quarterbacks would be able to. I think they do a good job of layering the ball, especially Levis. Do you think Levis would be a good fit for for McDaniel's and, and his style of offense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, I I think if McDaniel's does want a point and shoot type of quarterback, which is kind of the rumor that's floating around right now, um, you get a guy like Levis who can make all throws, and you know, if you could get his first read open quickly, he's going to be able to make those throws. And if things aren't, um, if, if things start getting muddying up, he can create with his legs. So yeah, I think he would be a pretty nice fit. You know, I was talking a little bit earlier uh, on the podcast about, you know, I like to talk about comps when I'm when we're talking about draft prospects. And, and the comp that I, I have out there for, for Will Levis, um, I, I'm seeing Josh Allen. Now, I know that's, that's a, a big comparison there, but, you know, when I first started watching Levis, you know that that's immediately who who came to mind for me was Josh Allen. Um, I think they have some similarities as far as uh, the, some of the maybe inaccuracies. I guess in, in college, both weren't surrounded by a ton of talent on offense. What do you think about that comparison? Yeah, I, I, I think as far as the physical traits aspect, yeah, I can see that Josh Allen uh, comparison. I think Allen is a better athlete. Um, you know, I, I kind of see a little bit of Justin Herbert, you know, where Herbert didn't have a ton of success uh, in his years of Oregon because of his cast. And, you know, he does have kind of that straight line sort of mobility that uh, Levis has as well. And, um, and obviously the arm talent. So I, I could see both those guys being comparisons to him. And obviously when we make these comparisons, we're not saying they're going to be that good. We're just making a traits type of comparison. Absolutely. Yeah, we're chatting with uh, Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. Just two more for you, Ted, before I, I get you out of here. Um, both of these quarterbacks, you know, it, it sounds like we both believe that they're, they're far from finished products right now. With both, both of them have very high ceilings. But ultimately, if you were making the pick for the Raiders and you're sitting there at pick seven, they're both available, you want to pick a quarterback, which, which one are you selecting? I, I take my shot on Anthony Richardson because he, he's a much younger prospect. Um, you know, and, and some of his processing issues, you could say, you know, he just needs more experience. He needs uh, more reps. Um, and obviously you have the athletic upside of Anthony Richardson. And I think, you know, the floor is higher than people think, because like we talked about, you could run the, an option heavy offense and he's going to be a threat, a major threat on the ground. So there's at least that floor of something useful he could do while he's developing. So I, I would take my shot on, on Richardson as a younger prospect. And obviously, uh, a, a one, you know, one of the premier athletes in, in the NFL as soon as he gets drafted. And, and, the, and the final thing I have for you here, a little bit different, it's, uh, still pertain to a quarterback, but uh, not these two quarterbacks in particular. We're talking a little free agency here. Uh, I keep seeing, um, and, it, and I understand why, that the Raiders are going to show some heavy interest in uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. 
what's your thoughts on some of that? If the Raiders are potentially to, to sign uh, Garoppolo, do you think that would be a wise move for them? Or do you think they'd be better off going with a, a cheaper option, like bringing back Jarrett Stidham and then, and then taking your chances drafting one of these rookie quarterbacks uh, to develop for your future franchise quarterback? Yeah, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is a good option because his of his injury history. History. I mean, he's he's been injured more. He he hasn't been able to finish seasons more years than he's been healthy. Um, I think there's limitations to what kind of offense you could run with Jimmy Garoppolo. And you know, one of Devontae Adams' best attributes is his ability to win deep. And I, you know, you just totally take that uh, that side of the offense away with Jimmy Garoppolo. He doesn't throw deep. Um, so. And also, you know, you might be able to um, might be able to put together an offense like you have with the Niners, and you might be able to win some games um, and kind of put you in that quarterback purgatory um, area where you were trying to avoid by getting rid of getting rid of Derek Carr in the first place. Uh, so I, I don't like that option in particular. I think bringing in Jared Stidham and drafting a quarterback is probably the best option. And, you know, if you don't draft the quarterback and you bring in Sidham and he, he, he fails, then you're going to be in position to draft the quarterback um, next year. So, you know, I, I think the Raiders would want to avoid being in that quarterback purgatory area uh, where I think Jimmy Garoppolo would put them right back into that, that kind of gray area. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think your your use of purgatory there was a perfect uh, example of that. But everybody, Ted Wynn here. Go out and check out his story uh, on The Athletic right now where he talks about Anthony Richardson and Will Levitz. Really well done. And, and Ted, we, we appreciate your insight and we appreciate your time tonight. No problem. Thanks for having me on. All right, there he goes, Ted Nguyen from The Athletic. He likes Anthony Richardson. He likes the upside. He thinks a lot of the the things that are a lot of his weaknesses right now are things that are correctable uh, at the NFL level. So he doesn't really have a, as many concerns as some of the other people out there. I know I've been pretty vocal about how I would prefer the Raiders stay away from Richardson, but I do feel a little bit more comfortable based on the information that Ted had there. Uh, really good conversation there. And make sure you're giving Ted a follow, uh, following his work on The Athletic and, and giving him a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, that is going to do it for the first segment of the show. I want to get to a break right now. And when we return from the break, we're going to dive into free agency. We're going to take a look at some of the Raiders' unrestricted free agents, maybe some who they should sign and, and some who they should let walk. We're going to get into that. And then we're going to toss out some names and positions where I think the Raiders should look to spend some of that money in free agency. All of that coming up and more in segment number two. You are listening to Just Pod Baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. We are back, Just Pod Baby, getting set for the start of the new league year on Wednesday, March 15th. Please make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Also, make sure you're checking me out on Twitter at egrot 5 I want to thank everyone out there for uh, the support that they've given me uh, on the show. But let's get things moving here. Um, I do have the list of Raiders unrestricted free agents. I have it here in front of me. And there were um, there were a couple of moves that were made earlier in the week. Brandon Parker, Amir Abdullah, Abdullah and Jesper Horstead were all re-signed earlier in the week. So those three guys will be back with the silver and black. Uh, there's still many names on this list. I will talk about some of them. 
um, some of the more notable ones. Uh, let's start with Anthony Averett. Um, disappointing year for him. He was a guy who I thought would be uh, have more of an impact on the Raiders' defense, and he did not. He dealt with a lot of injuries. Rocky Asin, uh Jerry Tillery, Andrew Billings, uh, Jayon Brown, uh, Denzel Perryman uh, are all um, set to become unrestricted free agents on the defensive side of the ball. And then the offense, Foster Moreau, Matt Collins, uh, Jermaine Illuminar, and of course Jarrett Stidham are some of the more notable names on the offense. I would expect to see some of these guys back. I personally, on defense, I personally would like to see uh, Rocky Sin get another shot. I thought he, you know, he battled through some injuries. He missed some times, some time out there. Um, but I, I still think he can be a very serviceable uh, cornerback. He's definitely not a quarterback, cornerback one. Uh, but he's capable of playing well. I think he's he's a tough player. Again, I go back to McDaniel's talking about tough toughness, and and I think that's really his his calling card for Rocky Asin. So I'd love to see him come back uh, to the Raiders. Jerry Tillery, I would also like to see come back. He's only 26 years old, still a young player. Still think he's got a, a good couple of years left in him, um, and I think he showed enough uh, in his short time with the Raiders to warrant another contract. I'd like to see him paired up with a. A young rookie defensive lineman or or, or, or a um, impact free agent uh, signing on the interior part of the defense, they can cause some havoc together there and hope and, and help open things up for uh, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones on the outside. Another defensive player that's set to hit free agency is um, Denzel Perryman. Uh, you know he played really well with the Raiders in his two years that he was with them. Um, made a lot of tackles and, and just brought like a an attitude uh, and, and a swagger to the defense that the Raiders have not had in a long time. Uh, again, he also was hurt a bit last year. He was a Gruden guy, um, so I'm not sure if he'll be back. Um, I did see uh, Jeremy Fowler, I believe it was, uh, tweeted out that uh, Perryman is expected to uh, hit free agency. Uh, but those are some of the names of the players on the defensive side of the ball that I would like to see them uh, bring back. Um, if they are not able to get some of these guys, these guys back, I mean, there was already holes to fill as it was. If they can't bring some of these guys back, they're going to be really busy bringing in some new faces. On offense, I do expect Jarrett Stidham. I think he he's really the big one for me on offense that I'm going to be focusing on. I hope he's a priority for them. I think he's capable of being a starter for them. If they really needed him to be the starter all year long, I, I think he could do it. Now, I'm not sure how much success he would have, but I, I trust him. Based on what I saw from him in that San Francisco game, I mean, I think there's upside there with him. It's just a matter of can you get him to play consistently? Um, you know, if if should they draft a young quarterback um, in addition to signing Stidham, um, I think Stidham would be a really good person to pair with a young quarterback because he is familiar with McDaniels and he could help teach and mentor that young quarterback in this offense. Now, another player on offense who uh, is set to be a free agent is uh, guard and tackle Jermaine Illuminor. And if you follow our guy, Mo Moten, which I'm sure you do, he's been pounding the table for the Raiders to re-sign Illuminor. He really likes him. He thought he played well towards the end of the season. He does offer that position versatility, which you love. You love to have a guy that can you can plug in there to play guard and tackle. That's a really good thing to have if you're an offensive lineman. But they did sign, uh, re-sign Parker 
which, you know, he's he's the swing tackle, or else he was last year before he got hurt. Um, so th- I'm not sure what that means for Illuminor. That could mean he is on his way out um, of Las Vegas. As far as Foster Morrow uh, is concerned, you know, I'm not sure how I feel about him. I, I don't think he has quite progressed the way I thought he would. Uh, in his first couple of years, I thought he showed some flashes of this could be a really decent tight end. Uh, but I think it's fair to say he's taken some step backs in some ways. I think he struggles at times as a blocker, and I, and I think he's had a couple big drops throughout his career. Uh, but I will say this about Foster. I, I love his leadership. And when you listen to him talk in his press conferences, you love the things that he says. He seems like he is a, a really great person, but also a great guy to have in the locker room. And he's one that I think a lot of guys respect, and, and, and he's a hard worker. Uh, but I'm just not sure if they bring him back. Um, McDaniels loves tight ends, uh, so that will definitely be another player along with Stidham on offense to keep an eye on. And then there's Matt Collins. I definitely think he should be back. Uh, I remember last uh, during training camp in preseason last year, I had Matt Collins on my most hyped throughout training camp list. Um, I didn't see it with him. I mean, I knew he would be a great special teams player. I didn't think he'd be a contributor on offense. He had a career year last year as a receiver. And a lot of that had to do with the injuries to Hunter Renfro and uh, Darren Waller, but he really stepped up and he, he made some big plays in a couple games, he was their second leading receiver after Devontae Adams. And, and we all know how valuable he is um, on special teams. And talk about great locker room guys. Uh, that's that's Matt Collins as well. So um, he's definitely going to be getting a pay raise this year if they bring him back. I think he he might attract some some attention on the open market. But I, I, I do think, um, you know, the Raiders would be wise to try to bring him back. Um, you know, now as far as, uh, players who aren't with the Raiders, but players that they might want to bring into the team. And we talked about this a few weeks ago on the show. I did a, a, a real early kind of dive into uh, free agency, but I, I think there's several positions that need to be upgraded right on the defense. I mean, all three levels, really, you could point to any level of the defense, really any position of the defense other than the one that Max Crosby plays. And you could say, well, they could probably do a little bit better there. Um, and speaking of Crosby, he did on Saturday, he did renegotiate his contract, freeing up $7.5 million uh, worth of cap space, which just, again, just shows you the type of guy that Max Crosby is. Um, not only is he a phenomenal player, but just a, a team first kind of guy willing to do that and to help out the team. But we'll start with cornerback here. I, I, you know, I would love to see the Raiders bring in, um, a top end guy and, um, you know, when I look at the list of free agents, I, I, you know, I keep finding myself highlighting James Bradbury. You know, he had a really good year uh, with the Eagles All Pro, I believe. I think he's approaching thirty now, which I don't love when you when you're talking about signing free agents. I don't really like the idea of signing guys who are, you know, over the age of of twenty nine. Really, I mean, unless they're complete studs. But um, I do think probably his best years are behind him. Um, but it makes perfect sense because he played for Patrick uh, Patrick Graham while they're both in New York. So hopefully there was a strong relationship there, and that does help make uh, Las Vegas an attractive landing spot for him. The question with Bradbury would be, can he be 
um, a true number one cornerback. I don't think that was what he was in Philly with with Darius Slay alongside him. I, I do think that was the role he played with the Giants, and and he did pretty well there. Uh, so he would be asked to be the number one cornerback for the Raiders. Um, and then how much would he cost? That would be the other thing I would ask. Um, he's the top cornerback on the market right now. Cornerback is a premium position, so you'd think that would get a bit costly if the Raiders were to get into a, a bidding war for his services. Um, defensive line is another position that I've talked a lot about. I love Draymond Jones. Uh, he is definitely circled on my list. Uh, he would be an addition by subtraction as well if they could pluck him away from Denver. He is familiar with the division, which I think would be beneficial. He's got a ton of pressures since he's come into the league in 2019. He's got 138 quarterback pressures since 2019. He He's very disruptive on the inside. I think he is just what this Raiders defense needs. I would love to see Draymond Jones uh, in silver and black. He's another player, though. That, that price tag is going to be high for his services. He's one of the top defensive tackles that, that are going to be on the open market. Linebacker needs help as well, especially if they're going to let Jayon Brown walk, Denzel Perryman walk. I mean, you're left with uh, not too many people there. Uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Divine Diablo. He would be one of the only linebackers that that I could think of um, on the roster. So they're going to have to bring in a linebacker. Um, Tremaine Edmonds, you know, he, he's the guy who is going to be very high on a lot of people's lists, a lot of teams' lists. I've watched him a lot here being in Buffalo. I know that Buffalo did not want to let him go. They've got some cap issues themselves, but uh, they did not want to let him go. And, and if they were, if the Raiders were able to bring in Tremaine Edmonds, he would immediately become the best linebacker that the Raiders have had in, in a really long time. And one of the things that you love to see about Edmonds is that he really improved greatly this past season in Buffalo as a coverage linebacker, you know, as he's um, uh, into that age 25 season, he's still showing growth and, and kind of rounding into a, you know, a, a kind of a do-it-all linebacker, be able to cover sideline to sideline, uh, help in the run game, and then, you know, round out that that arsenal with being able to, to cover a little bit better, which was one of the things that he struggled to do here in the early parts of his career. Um, going back to the back end of the defense at safety, um, you know Jesse Bates uh, is a guy who was franchise tagged with Cincinnati. Uh, we know we know Jesse Bates real well. He had the interception in the playoff game a couple years ago, and then Gardner Johnson from Philadelphia. Those two guys are going to be uh, the cream of the crop. Again, they're going to attract big numbers. Um, and, and so that could be, you know, that could be an issue. But, you know, the, the thing with the players that I've just mentioned, they're all guys who are going to be highly sought after. And obviously the Raiders can't sign all of them. But if they could sign one or two of these guys, that would immediately help the defense. I mean, could you think about uh, Draymond Jones and, uh, you know, Tra- Tremaine Edmonds up the middle with this Raiders defense? That would really help things um, on this defense. Now, offensively, there's not a ton of holes. I mean, they're set. Um, they're set with running back. They they've got Jacobs coming back. Uh, they've got the wide receivers. Uh, they could maybe use another. I still think they could use a speed guy to really stretch that defense. They didn't really have that last year. They tried it with Tyron Johnson. It didn't work out. They could bring in a, a speedster. 
um, at receiver, but it all starts on the offensive line, right? Guard and tackle. I still like the kid, uh, the guard out of Philadelphia. I know he's had some injuries, but he was really, really good this year. Isaac uh, Samalo. Um, I like Dalton Reisner from Denver. Will Hernandez is a guy who, who I've always liked when he came out um, into the draft. Really liked him. Just a, a road grinder or grader, I should say. And, you know, at tackle, they still need to to get that right tackle, uh, especially if they're going to let Jermaine Illuminor walk. They're going to have a big void there at right tackle. I, I don't know if Brandon Parker is the answer there, but they did resign him. But I was surprised to see Orlando Brown hit free agency. Uh, but he will, he will, and he's gonna, he's gonna probably um, command a lot of uh, big money contracts or offers, I should say. Um, along with Jawan Taylor from Jacksonville, another guy who will be, you know, sought after highly from many, many teams. But I, I do think when I look at the list, as I was doing here a bit earlier, I think there's a lot of quality offensive linemen out there that could really help improve on what the Raiders currently have. And I don't think they're that far off. I really don't. I think they showed that they, they can, the group they had last year anyways, was very good in run blocking. Um, And as far as pass protection is concerned, you know, they didn't give up a lot of sacks. Part of that had to do with Carr getting the ball out quick, but you know, I don't think this offensive line is that far away. I think one or two players could really make a big difference here uh, for that, that unit. Now, last year, Dave Ziegler started a little slow in free agency. In fact, he was getting criticized by by some of the fan base uh, for the slow start uh, to free agency. I think fans were, were hoping he'd come out uh, guns a-blazing and, and make a ton of big signings. But he he definitely heated up, made a lot of big signings. And, uh, you know, he has shown uh, the willingness to be aggressive, whether it was by making trades to bring in players or, you know, uh, going out and, and signing players. So I do expect that to be the case again this year. Um, they've got a quite a quite a bit of money uh, to spend, and they've got plenty of holes to fill. So that that's <laughs> that's generally a recipe for um, a lot of a lot of things happening. And uh, we're going to be on top of it. Um, we'll be following it all week long, and then um, of course we'll we'll have a new show for you uh, towards the end of next week where we can kind of recap all the happenings with the Raiders in free agency uh, as it gets started here on March 15th uh, on Wednesday. Okay, well, that is going to do it for this week's show. I am excited. I don't know about you guys. I'm excited for the start of free agency next week. Please keep in touch with me on Twitter at egrope 5 I will be giving you all my thoughts. I'll be giving you my thoughts probably more than you want to hear, but uh, I do want to hear from you guys as well, so don't be afraid to, to reach out to me with some of your thoughts. Until the next time, though, I am Evan Grote. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we will chat again next week. Take care, everyone, and as always, just win, baby.